Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Psychosocial Distancing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Chadbourne. With me, as always, is Thomas Brooks. Hello, hello. And Sarah Tracy. Hello. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to include what we were talking about before this, because then, like, I don't want to keep this in the record, keep that in the recording. But we're going to talk about Machiavellianism today. And the, um, I don't know, maybe lack of worry, concern, empathy, affect. Um, I always want to say affect and not affect because I just I want to differentiate between the two. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Let's, I'm going to let, let one of you guys start. It's been a day. Uh, <laughs> right on. Let's talk. Let's talk about Machiavellianism. I'm super, I'm super excited because like we've had this podcast for so long and we have not done this episode yep. and Machiavellianism is by far one of my favorite things in psychology. And so like I'm ready. <laughs> I'm a fan. Um like in the like in the best way possible. Like, I don't know. I see a lot of like promise in the Machiavellian approach, um, which <laughs> derives from the book called The Prince by mm-hmm. Niccolo Machiavelli. Uh, I think it was published in 1532. So this is an old concept. Um, and it has been there's like kind of a historical debate whether or not this is like a manual for like princes to like rule their state. Or if this is like satirical, like commentary on like warring Italian states, um, but regardless of how, what the intention was, the effect has been that it's been used as uh, political like theory for like the last like what is it like five hundred years, um, and this has influenced leader global leaders from like. Henry VIII to like Benjamin Franklin and Alexander Hamilton and Napoleon and Mussolini and Stalin, like everybody reads this thing. And basically it's just a guideline on how to be a ruler and get what you want and stay in power and not get your head cut off, which is pretty cool. But the the guy who created the scale, if I'm, if I'm remembering my Machiavellianism, psych history um basically used the book and was like hey all this stuff is terrible <laughs> like let's turn it into questions mm-hmm. i think it was is it paulus i had it pulled up at one point i don't remember there is some interesting stuff in the book like this is one of those books that uh our mutual advisor daniel uh keeps on his desk at all times um as he was an apartment head (laughs) oh you're talking about henley yeah okay that makes a little more sense because i was about to say like wait i don't see stephen so no stephen wouldn't do that but henley definitely did that and he recommended that we do it and that we buy it and that we keep it (laughs) and some of the i have some excerpts i thought were interesting like we think of the personality trait as like dark obviously but it does have Mm -hmm. some interesting takes so uh one of them is one cannot by fair dealing and without injury to others satisfy the nobles but you can satisfy the people for their object is more righteous than that of the nobles the latter wishing to oppress while the former only desires not to be oppressed and so very much pick your battles and like figure out who you're ultimately responsible for as a leader. So so I'm reading here that um psychologist Richard Christie and Florence Geis. Oh, Christie, yeah. Used an used an uh used edited and truncated statements inspired by Machiavelli uh Machiavelli's work um to study variations in human behavior and created a 20 question Likert scale mock four test and if you are a high mock um you have more deceitfulness uh and a cynical unempathetic temperament mm-hmm. it's been the scale has been revised not that, that particular scale but it's been recreated several times i know the paulus dark triad has its own version um and then there's a new version that i actually like from who does this it's uh Collinson et al 2018 
and they have a three-factor uh, Machiavellian scale with like 45 items, I think. So, um, but yeah, no, so there's kind of like, with that quote I read, there's like this calculation of like who actually holds power and like how to play to that. It also gives advice on like how to deal with allies. So if your allies win, you benefit whether or not you have more power than they have. If you do have more power, then your allies are under your command. And if your allies are stronger, they will always feel a certain obligation to you for your help. And if your side loses, you still have an ally in the loser. And so like different outcomes, there's stuff about like better to be both loved and feared. But if you can only pick one, go with fear. If you have to be cruel, do it quickly. It's better to kill 100 men in one day than kill one man a day for 100 days. Um, and then basic ends just the means ideas. That's intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, Talk about man manipulation. I mean, I, I like the idea even more that this was satire. And for 500 years, people have taken this so seriously that really taking the book to heart may make you more Machiavellian. Right, but that's kind of the horrifying thing, right? If this right. is satire, then we've been like living under like a cartoon version of Italian city-state regimes through all of our global leaders for the last 500 years. I mean... I, you know, it seems to me like it's, people will find whatever they can to fit their their desires their needs their fantasies and it's like oh look look at this they're speaking to exactly what i want to do hmm and so of course they'll take it literally as much as they want to or not but yeah i feel like it's just that that uh bias of you know i'll, I'll find something out there that mm -hmm. will fit uh my evil mm-hmm it's like uh and, what is it self-serving bias or whatever yeah i was trying to th i think so yeah i was trying to think of the, the term as well i'm like something biased yeah yeah for sure or confirmation or self bias. yeah self-confirmation bias that's it yeah there you go you read, you read what you want to read and you ignore the rest of the book exactly exactly it's almost like the news and and you know lots of other things we won't mention but i mean we, yeah we, we did a whole summer on the psychology of religion. Oh, <laughs> the man. nature of religious texts can go the same way. I mean, really any, any book. Um, and I'd imagine, especially if we're getting into like dark triad stuff, um, someone with mm -hmm. psychopathy, high narcissism or high Machiavellianism, they're, they're going to gravitate towards these things that just feed in to um, that. What they're doing is acceptable. Yes. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. Any sort of validation, whether it's skewed or whether it really is valid, pun intended, um, or or not, they'll they'll take it and they'll make mm -hmm. it what they want. Yep. How uh, so? I, I was reading something that was sort of looking, um, and I don't. Maybe you guys can answer this. That was trying to differentiate. Um, Machiavelli, I can't even say Machiavellianism and um and straight up psychopathy. Do yeah. you see yeah, what what do you see as the distinctions? So I do have a list of distinctions between that nice. and narcissism, but mm -hmm. it is super debatable whether or not Machiavellianism is even a construct. Uh, um oh. or if it gets <laughs> swallowed up by the other two and it's just extra variants of the dark triad. Well, I mean, uh, we, sure. like we we have a antisocial personality disorder that that highlights a lot of uh, psychopathic traits. We have a narcissistic personality disorder that highlights a lot of extreme narcissistic <laughs> traits. Yeah, we don't have anything. Do we have something for nope. highly Machiavellian traits? Nope. So I mean, it sounds like cluster B behavior, Machiavellianism, but. That was something that my personality class and I talked a lot about is like the oh. cultural like relativism of personality traits and like mm -hmm. 
you know, how they ebb and flow and how they split apart or merge together or like drop off the list or get added to the list and how this list, like the different clusters are not stable. And so like, could we see like Machiavellian personality disorder in the future as a diagnosis? Um, I think one thing to help us distinguish them is to go through this uh, three factor and I'll let y'all know what the key traits are associated with Machiavellianism and then we can kind of talk about how they're like similar or different from psychopathy and narcissism so the first one is antagonism so it's selfishness uh immodesty manipulation callousness and cynical worldview the next one is agency so it's achievement oriented behavior high activity assertiveness confidence self-confidence and invulnerable uh, defense mechanisms and then the last one is planfulness which is deliberation and orderliness and so there's like some things in here that i get big like uh overlap vibes with so like with psychopathy um like low conscientiousness and agreeableness manipulation callousness like that sounds like a psychopath and then for narcissism, this idea of like entitlement and like exploitation um, of others kind of overlaps. But then there's like this gray area that exists in between, right? Where like I think Machiavellianism kind of like has a fit. And maybe so, it's just, oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say that the planning aspect, the really like cold and calculated. Um, which, uh, which I, I I feel like honestly, depending on intelligence level, could potentially be part of maybe more so a narcissist than antisocial personality disorder. Um, but still, then there's then there's the um, impulsivity. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I, I yeah, to me that that the bit of planning seems to set it apart a bit that it's more calculated and strategic yeah that's one of the differences i found with the overlap with psychopathy is that uh machiavellians are not impulsive reckless or like tied to short-term planning so like they're cool calm calculated and like doing long game stuff which definitely won't get them a antisocial diagnosis And then for narcissism, Machiavellians are more realistic about their character. They have lower happiness and they are less malevolent than narcissists are. I I found this this interesting quote and I was looking up some stuff. Um, It's uh, from um, Paul Haas, uh, Toward a Taxonomy of Dark Personalities. So it's it's uh, 2014 um, talking about high Machiavellianists and um, uh, corporate crime. Mm. And so it says, although direct research on this topic is difficult, it seems clear that malevolent stockbrokers such as Bernie Madoff do not qualify as psychopaths. They are corporate Machiavellians who use deliberate strategic procedures for exploiting others. Um, a genuine psychopath, even at the subclinical level, lacks the self-control to orchestrate the schemes of a skewed stockbroker. Mm. And so that kind of like touches on what you guys were saying with like this, this, there's that planning, there's that calculation. It's not impulse. It's not, not even a need to be at like the forefront because like the narcissist would like want to be in like the center of all that attention. But it's like, you could sit there behind the scenes playing the puppets and navigating the chessboard, whatever it may be. Um, But it's far more calculated, it seems. Which I feel like fits a lot of these serial killers because in order to get away with it three or more times, Mm -hmm. and especially the ones who have that, you know, perfect facade, right? Like the PTK, you know, he's, married he has a family you know all all these different things so i feel like the ones that already have this facade built up they did it on purpose Mm -hmm. because they're thinking about long term you know i want to have this perfect cover do i really care about this this person or even my children no it's just that they're there um 
you know, so that I can eventually do what I want and nobody will suspect me. And that way I can get away with it longer. Yeah, so that's some planning for you. Jeez. I will say I need to find the source and if I find it, I'll send it to you, Daniel. Um, and Sarah, obviously. Um, but uh, I did read that people high in Machiavellianism tend to manipulate their immediate connections less than those like around them so they like let they know how to uh differentiate between like social altruism behavior and like cold manipulation as like two different strategies to get what they want and they see that with like studies of kids who are high in machiavellianism is that they can trade off in games between like oh my goodness we're allies you're my best friend i love you you're the in group let's succeed together and then immediately switch over to like figuring out how to like you know destroy external members and they have a more fluidity between those two modes and so that's why i think that like close friends relatives romantic partners and stuff don't usually get the blunt end of machiavellianism in the same way that like psychopathy or narcissism like they like target their close relatives and like people in their circle especially women yeah Mm -hmm. that's who they choose but yeah yeah the um that hot and cold empathy it's so manipulative manipulative it's like ooh, i'll um i'll flatter you and i'll get you to like me and then as soon as i get what i want you're out Mm -hmm. uh that's that's frightening actually we're talking about matches matches made in hell this week in my class Ooh. right i know um what yeah sometimes it's more but yeah at least two and so you almost think um like how uh, well, okay, what, what it what often ends up being is one person manipulates the other person. So it's mm-hmm. not necessarily like two, you know, two people who really would like to go be serial killers, but one person can really rub in the other. And I think that's the whole part of um, the, the process, these steps of like, hey, you know, um, you're just so wonderful. And all the, again, the flattery. And then, well, why, why wouldn't you do this if you love me? Mm-hmm. and then they i mean so calculated and they have their end goal and they they have their steps to get there so that sounds a lot a lot like um all of this yeah yeah mm-hmm. which is scary child. seriously these these people were like choose their children i mean they'll like kill a child or two and then Right, and then be like, if you don't do what I say, then you're gonna end up like so and so. It's like, oh. <gasps> yeah, big time. Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, this so. is this something. This is like what really kind of really sets that difference between, um, like we talked about the Genesee River Killer, who mm. very likely, I mean, it does seem because of maybe some head trauma and some other stuff that kind of created this sort of psychopathy, this impulse control, these, these issues. I mean, we're not really sure like what was going on prior to some of that, but there definitely seems to be something. Um, And then like BTK who like some of the narcissism was there, but there's some, and that could also explain like that long cooling down period, that cool calculated, like he didn't need it. He did it. Um, or like the wanting to like live up to that that serial killer persona as mm. opposed to um seeing some of those impulse issues or those other issues that we see kind of in in other serial killers or in other um you know others like that that, that in his case it was far more i'm I'm doing this and i'm I'm behaving this way and I'm picking my targets because that's what a serial killer does mm-hmm. it is very calculated. Yeah, this whole idea of him like playing that little cat mouse game with the police makes me feel like dominant narcissism, but like with Machiavellianism like roped in because otherwise he would have just like confessed and like taken the glory because it's that easy. But like there has to be some sort of like maze to craft with Machiavellians. 
Yeah. It, it, my guess is that you'd have to be pretty darn smart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There doesn't Um, seem to be, like, an IQ relationship necessarily with Machiavellians, but there does seem to be, like, higher, like, social hierarchy awareness and, like, understanding rules. Because, and like, that creativity. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I think the psychopath, like, breaks the rules because they don't know any better. Um, right. Yeah. Like, they're just, like, an, a bull in a china shop kind of thing, but, like, the Machiavellian has read all of the rules and then they pick the ones they want to break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the cap calculatedness, that's a word, is what is so frightening. Um, yeah, yeah, and just, uh, yeah, deceiving, lying, all those things to, to really get what they want, again, to be able to have the patience, I think, as well, and to... Which,
I, yeah. I, and again, I'm not saying that all politicians, you know, or judges or whomever are like this, obviously. Um, but I just I mean, we, we've said worse thinking. about politicians and judges on this podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, because like I it may be not even like as a character read necessarily of like who would want to be a politician. But I'm also thinking about like, what are the steps they had to take? to become mm-hmm. a politician to get on the ballot in the first place and that takes some machiavellian know-how yeah you either have to have someone who knows the rules and knows the ins and outs especially when you hear like the constant never-ending stories about you know gaming the system and like the the you know you're not supposed to communicate with your super PACs but they're totally communicating with their super PACs and like again these behaviors that are common and utilized in, in these sort of unscrupulous ways like, like it, it there's i think it would be very rare i mean it could happen to get something like like a psychopath in office because of that lack of impulse control like or that that can really hinder i mean i mean maybe we're talking like 20 years ago it's a lot more difficult nowadays politics is wild um but like for narcissism absolutely for yeah. machiavellianism even more i would say yeah. machiavellianism is is i mean even I... just the nature of the prince is, uh-huh. is is a guide to ruling is a guide to to being in charge mm-hmm. and it may not be like i could definitely see a situation where you have like the narcissistic politician who is yeah. controlled by the like Machiavellian like campaign manager? I mean, mm. and that would be a character read. Like, who would want to be up on that stage? The narcissist would. Who wants the power in the Oval Office without like the cheapest actually staff. having to like be seen or have like consequences? <laughs> the Machiavellian. <Sure. laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no Let's go get that. The- power you're making the decisions you have the control you have your puppets Mm -hmm. um yeah Ooh. and then they don't have to pretend to be likable it makes me think of what uh uh, i mean i i I wouldn't call george w bush a narcissist but it makes me think of like a lot of the stories and the the things people said about dick cheney Mm. when he was in office because he's a very like power in the shadow not necessarily he was vice president but like power in the background kind of and the vice president would be a good person for that if you had a kind of a, a machiavellian vice president pulling the strings on a narcissistic president like president's the face um we are we are suddenly going to become Oops. really <laughs> popular amongst um conspiracy theorists <laughs> yeah so, disclaimer we're not diagnosing or psychologically evaluating any of these politicians we're just theoretically speculating about what's the right social it's... personality factors that would contribute to a successful one well in, in a new world where you can say all sorts of crazy stuff on twitter nowadays um we're just asking questions we're you posing know... the question posing hypotheses and I read recently that the whole notion of, oh, I have to remember what it was, but the whole notion of basically, you know, um, ethics, right? As, as psychologists, where you cannot diagnose somebody until you've met them, um, that is basically archaic. Um, mm-hmm. And that with social media now and with how, now granted, social media shows you what it wants you to see, right? You're not seeing the entire picture. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes it can give you enough you know sometimes more than enough and you're like yeah yeah pretty darn sure that this is what's going on with this person so it's and again i forget who wrote it and you know but it basically was like that's kind of out the window now and i feel Uh like fair enough you know not in every case but in some well and and the upside validating (laughs) the upside of talking about machiavellianism is is it's not a diagnosis and so we could talk about how individuals represent Machiavellian traits, but no, I, 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 I agree with that. Uh, I think I've read the same piece, this, this argument, it's called the Goldwater rule. 
And it yeah. kind of goes back to like the 70s political candidate, Barry Goldwater, and this idea that like a psychologist shouldn't step in um, or a professional shouldn't step in and say, hey, this person's a narcissist or this person <laughs> has a clinical issue because in the 70s, there wasn't enough face-to-face -face interaction. There was just, right. but I would argue it definitely it's archaic in 2020 on um, because yeah. we have so much information. Um, like we're we're talking like like full scale, like even minor politicians or full scale public figures. We have speeches, we have books written, we have corroborating evidence from people who have um met them and talked about them. And so it's not like one person's hearsay. It's yes. constant feed of information. And indeed. And for some people more than others. I mean, there are definitely politicians and celebrities and stuff that don't have that much information out there. But but those that do, it's it's easier to say like, well, they do check all the, the boxes for <laughs> this thing, uh, this particular diagnosis. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, at some point, and that's probably a discussion, I think maybe clinical psychology. <laughs> maybe psychology as a whole um because there's also some ethics behind that of saying like i mean but yeah are you the one who throws it out into the ether are you the one who sits there and like screams that hey no this politician's clinical narcissist this politician's got antisocial personality disorder well there i mean there was that book written about someone who's a politician basically saying yeah yeah, his person is a narcissist. Um, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable with saying that rules out the window, mostly because, like, yeah, we do have a lot of information, but like Sarah said, it's A, highly curated, yeah. and B, the major motivation of, like, this era is to project authenticity. Yeah. Mm. And so, like, we're literally watching a TV show when we go online and look at stuff. Everything from speeches to books to interviews to, like, everything is a show. And so I wonder if it's not more important to uphold that standard because, like, I don't trust that. And neither should our listeners, for that matter, yeah. trust anything on the Internet as being genuine because you can't. Mm -mm. It's like I was reading this story about this woman who like goes on these vacations and she put like takes like a ton of pictures and she only goes on like two vacations a year but she oh. takes so many pictures of so many different like landscapes that she can post them regularly and project this idea that she's always on the go at these beautiful oh. places right uh, and so like you don't know like are those vacation pics like hey we just got back from so-and-so like here's the pictures or which is safe to do. Don't post your pictures while you're on vacation. That tells people <laughs> that your house is empty. Um, <laughs> right. But like, yeah. are you curating this entire digital life, like, and being a Machiavellian about it? You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if the Goldwater Rule yeah. is more important to uphold right now. Because like, I don't know. I feel like we could make. I I think we all know what politician we're referring to. Right I mean, now absolutely. In to narcissism. Yes, but that man's whole life is a show. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like the other yeah. side of that, but like, like on one hand, I, I, I can agree that in a lot of these cases, we have enough information because we're talking about like, again, behavior that goes back decades that is like, again, corroborated even beyond like the, this is the persona I'm putting forward. Um, mm -hmm. But again, like on the other hand, I, I'm going to I'm going to defend that we probably shouldn't have someone jump the gun and say mm -hmm. and go on, you know, and write a I mean, arguably shouldn't be writing a book. Um, I mean, if, if you're doing it for the pop psych side of things, because mm -hmm. because you could honestly, do it for anyone. That's that's kind of all I saw out of that. Honestly, yeah, it was just a bunch of fame chasing clinical psychologists. And mm -hmm. and in that case. It it gets us into a position to where all you have to do then as a Machiavellian campaign manager is hire your own psychologist to write something about your opponent. 
and that would be that would be the move um and we know that there are psychologists willing to do it um because at some point we'll talk about the cia torture report on this podcast (laughs) oh geez and the two psychologists who helped put together the torture program that the cia uses no yeah got 80 million dollars to do it no actual background in the research that's messed up yeah and so sleep sleep deprivation that's all i need and i will go nuts i will lose it well i mean that's (laughs) that's that's torture that's what you find i mean to to go to, to keep us down this tangent that's what you find is that people will um will do anything to avoid the discomfort that that it comes with and so you'll say yeah i'll say whatever you want me to say just stop and so it's ineffective but but yeah i mean but also like there's some maybe some some machiavellianism in the whole like well you know i can make 80 million dollars i don't really care what the apa thinks of me after this um i got i got a couple got a couple million stored away jeez so Hmm. Yeah. Dark. So, that, is, that is dark. <laughs> Just I, a little I bit. Cared about that. I'm like, right? yeah. yeah. I wonder too if like all these like, oh, uh, if these uh UX psychologists that work for like Twitter and like Facebook and stuff like that, if like 30 years down the road, if we kind of look back at them with eyebrows raised. I mean, there's yet another article written about how the people who are studying AI, these these cognitive scientists, psychologists overlap with that. Um, the studying of AI, they still don't really know how AI works, oh, and yeah. and this idea of of the algorithms that they're they're creating and 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 utilizing is um, it's. <laughs> it's um it's it's interesting and they don't understand that and they don't um but i would say i guess the psychologists with it i mean they understand basic behaviorism and that's all you need Mm -hmm. to keep bringing money in if you're running twitter and facebook and uh yeah so just yeah wampa do (laughs) <laughs> well, and part of it too, it seems like, is that they don't have to be the center of attention, kind of like we were talking about, you know. And so I feel like that is so manipulative, manipulative and sneaky, because then you can really sort of pin it on this other person who is the the face, the facade of whether it's politics or whether it's, you know, again, let's say we have like a duo of two two serial killers, and one seems to be the dominant one. Well, maybe that one's just being manipulated, you know, by the other one who's purposefully trying to let that person be dominant. And they're trying to just stay in the background. Um, And then ultimately what they would do is then they would turn in the other person and they get like a plea deal. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Be like, look, look, they initiated all this. They're the ones who did this. I, my conscience just couldn't stand it anymore. I had to turn him in. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, man. Nikki. Peak Machiavellian. It makes me <laughs> It makes me think, like, thinking of this from the political angle, and I'm pretty sure that if you were to hear me say this, he would probably take it as a compliment, um, would be, like, someone like Roger Stone, like, in the background, helping to build political candidates, doing all oh, sorts of yeah. really shady... Um, like in being part of like, I think he's he's part of that that group. Kind of invented like some of the modern smear campaigns that mm-hmm. um, that politicians engage in, and like, yeah, like it's not was not that openly. Like if you were in the political circles, like everyone knew him, but only up until recently, really, like got a lot more a lot more public spotlight um, because of that. Um, and yeah, like that's someone that, that springs to mind is like this working in the shadows uh, kind of political operative that I think would fit a lot of these Machiavellian trades. He doesn't feel bad. He's got a, he's got a tattoo of Nixon on his back. Like he's all in. Um, so fun fact, you know, which president signed into law title nine. 
Nixon. Nixon. <laughs> I mean, Nixon helped to create the EPA too. Like, oh, no, no. Nixon has like a surprisingly good like legislative like uh track record. History. Yeah. Oh, but maybe he was just the he was just the face. Yeah. Well, I mean, go back to uh, the prince. Like, please the people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then they're on your side, and then you can do all sorts of bad things, and then He's uh, a Quaker, so... right? I don't know. I think Nixon was a Quaker, yeah, which is he, odd. He was a Quaker. So I mean, I don't know a lot about Quakerism. So. So yeah. <laughs> so quick as the word Quakerism. Quakerism. It'd be. Yes. Yeah. So oh, uh, so what 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 should we do? What should we do if there's somebody who just fits this bill in our in our life? Mm. What, how, could... how do we how do we handle that? Because we've kind of talked about that with like a narcissism or psych psychopathy. Mm -hmm. I mean, run, <laughs> but run. with with the Machiavellian, maybe you can't like because they're like embedded in the company. They're like like maybe what we're seeing with the idea of like because we talked about John Ronson psychopath test, like the the um mm -hmm. kind of the callous. I'm gonna fire all these people. Like CEO isn't a psychopath, but maybe they're right. Machiavellian. Um, and you know yeah. they, they may not be a narcissist because they they don't you know, need to bring as much attention to themselves. No, but they might be scoring higher on the Machiavellian scale, and it might be a lot more difficult, <laughs> especially if they are in power, because they are going to play by the rules. They're going to bend those right. rules, but they're gonna they're gonna work the social system a lot better than 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 a narcissist or a psychopath might be able to. So yeah, the question is like, <laughs> what do you do? I mean, I would probably suggest stay in the in group and like document everything. So that way when the backstab comes, if it comes, Ooh. then you have stuff to like clear your name. Cause like the thing with like the narcissist stabbing you in the back is it's like not to like use this archaic term, but like it's pretty hysterical. Um mm. and it's like a bunch of blatant lies that like people go like after like the narcissist takes your best friend and like weaves the story about how you like killed kittens on the side of the road or whatever and they're oh. like in it with the story and they're like you know uh oh my god oh my god i can't believe that happened blah 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 and then they walk out of that situation and they're like that doesn't seem right because they're not like you know smart enough to craft a believable lie mm -hmm. But like the Machiavellian probably can craft a believable lie, so you need like documentation to like clear yourself oh. of that one. Yeah. So save text, save emails. Yeah. Stuff in writing. CYA. Or cover your read the cover. <laughs> Let's say read the prints and oh. play the Machiavellian. Oh. And then, and then when it's when it's too late, be like, look, my my conscience couldn't take it any longer. I have to give this information to HR. You know, I just I can't uh -huh. sit by while this person continues to do that. No, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we just create more Machiavellians. Ah, uh, no. I mean, I would probably argue that our environment like highly incentivizes Machiavellian behavior, like mm -hmm. more so than the other ones. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So as long as you can like make yourself like if you can identify one and like i'm sure there's like ranges of machiavellianism too like low level ones probably aren't going to be like a problem for you they might be like annoying and mm -hmm. like, high level ones you probably just want to grab on and like shoot to the top with them and then just know when to let go <laughs> there you go I mean, just every ride though. that wave ride that wave until it until it crashes and jump yep. off because <laughs> uh, these are also like it's not a clinical like there's not a clinical parallel here so like you may there may be like perfectly wonderful people who are Machiavellians sure sure what if so uh, another thing that I read about this as well is just that they're cynical of goodness and morality do you think that that's true or, or is it maybe their definition of goodness and morality or do they really have 
Is this culturally loaded? I don't know. Is this chronologically culturally loaded? It might be. I know there's this idea that like their general out view, like out like philosophy of humanity is pretty bleak. And so a lot of like the justification for doing bad things is like, well, me as an individual doing this bad thing is just a drop in the bucket of like the human misery Ooh. that occurs. Uh, Fair enough. And so I think it's like the morality is void because the world's a terrible place. And so I need to do what I can in order to like, you know, secure whatever I need to secure whatever goal I saw that there was some there's another theory that came that's coming out or hypothesis of like typology of like motivation and it's like outward active and passive active and reactive motivation Machiavellianism where like active Machiavellianism is like the planning the manipulating the goal oriented like the future focused but then there's like this reactive one where the person feels like they're uh what is it uh precarious and that things are getting taken from them and so they react hostilely hmm. and so paranoia. yeah no oh. i did talk about paranoia so like there may be like two different modes too like maybe I'm reacting in this Machiavellian way because I feel like I'm like about to drown every second of my life or I'm being proactive because I think humanity is doomed and so I need to like climb the ladder as quick as I can so I don't drown. And then what part of that is just frankly adaptive to your surroundings and your, your environment? You know what I mean? Yeah, like because hey, if you're it. a... <laughs> If you're an Uber driver, <laughs> oh. you might need to employ some Machiavellianism to like make sure your bills stay paid. That's frightening, isn't it? I I I'm always like shocked when I get a female Uber. I'm like, no, please, please. I mean, not to say it, you know, bad things can happen to both, but I'm always like, please don't do this. Mm -hmm. uh, no. Hmm. But then I'm sitting in a nice Tesla and I'm like. Okay, keep keep doing this. Not how to make jokes, but to make jokes, yes. Mm. <laughs> what about? <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. Like, I feel like well, we've run this one through. Yeah. So, so where where we'll go from here is is that I'll move us into our bias of the week, okay. and then we and then we can conclude. Um, so I was thinking about this and I, I think I'm going to keep my, the same bias I originally had for last week that we kind of skipped because we were like, Ooh, this is BTK is too much. Let's just quit. Um, yeah. and, and really kind of thinking about this because like, you know, the dark triad is, you know, I, I, I kind of like the diagram of it being kind of a triangle. They all kind of feed into one another and that's, mm -hmm. you know, like with anything else, it's just a spectrum. So some people are higher or lower, on on a number of these and so we might you know we have plenty of people who might represent some machiavellian mystic uh, whatever traits mm -hmm. um but not be kind of a full-blown you know really high on that scale um in the same way that, that a lot of people can represent some narcissistic traits without having to uh, be kind of a full-blown narcissist or a full clinical um and diagnosis and so the the return of the bias of the week is the focusing effect. Mm. And this is um, Legrenzi, Girardo, and Johnson Laird, 1993. The tendency to place too much importance on one aspect of an event. And so I'm viewing this in, in, in the way of maybe mm. don't focus too much on one of these. We have mm. for three episodes, but don't focus too much <laughs> on one of these. They do kind of interact with one another. They're highly correlated. Um, and you're likely to see someone with psychopathy who also demonstrates maybe a little narcissism, maybe a little Machiavellianism, someone with high Machiavellianism, probably going to demonstrate a little bit of narcissism as part of that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the same systems that boost mm. Machiavellianism in like the business world are also going to boost narcissism. Like part of that, like fight to get ahead, react to, to slights against you kind of thing um so huh. so that's my bias of the week hmm. nice. will... oh go ahead 
I was going to say, I always think of like that they're like little triangles that kind of are pointing both both directions on all sides of the triangle. That That's where I go in my mind because it is all interre interrelated and there's a lot of overlap. So yeah, good, good point to not just sort of narrow yeah. in on, on one. I was trying to explain to my intro to site class what it means to have like interrelated intercorrelated concepts and so mm -hmm. I uh, <clears throat> read the Dirty Dozen Dark Triad out loud for them and they all like calculated their scores cool. and then we went around the room I didn't tell them what I was doing by the way <laughs> uh, and so I told them at the end like alright so that first block of questions was psychopathy and then they all like get a good laugh and look at each other's scores and stuff um and but as they finished it i had them go around the room and tell me their like score for each one and i typed it into an excel sheet on the mm -hmm. computer and then nice. i was able to show them like the line graphs of the three as they stack on top of each other and go this is what intercorrelated means is like this one goes up the rest of them are going up mm-hmm Oh, I love that exercise. How fun. They get a kick out of it, but then they also like look at each other suspiciously at the end of the class. Right? Maybe like two are dated and then they're like, uh, I think we should break up. I'm going to go. No. <laughs> I do give them all of the appropriate like, this isn't a study. This isn't a diagnostic tool. This doesn't even measure what a diagnostic tool would measure. Like, this is sub everything. Like, you're not going to get diagnosed if you're high on this. But they can still have the focus bias. Boom. Yeah. And so I like bring it out and show them like the trend lines and how everybody like the lines move with the scores. That's awesome. That's super cool. That's fun. Yeah, that is. Got to make it fun. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ugh. Well, I, I guess... On we that uh, that that positive pedagogical note, <laughs> indeed, indeed, double P. Um, we'll say goodbye <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> positive goodbye. psychological pedagogical. Ooh, triple P. Ooh, I like it. And on that already positive pleasing note. <laughs> goodbye. 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 Good night. <laughs> <laughs>